Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about your journey to heaven. And it's going to be a very, very simple message. And I'll explain why at the end of the message. But of course, we shouldn't be fooled by simplicity because the gospel is intrinsically very simple. And actually, the more simplicity, the greater the profundity of what is actually communicated. Now, first of all, we need to understand who is qualified for the journey to heaven. We have to come against this lie that exists within society that everybody goes to heaven. That's a very nice idea. The only problem is it's not true. If it was true, there would be no need for a savior. There would be no need for the cross. There'd be no need Uh, actually of God even. Everybody would just automatically go to heaven. And it seems extraordinary, doesn't it, that some people that want nothing to do with God and nothing to do with heavenly things imagine that they were going to be with God in heaven when they die. So we proclaim the truth right in the midst of all that deception. We know that Nobody can earn their way to heaven, nor can they get to heaven by their own power or their own works. That everything is dependent upon what God has done for us through his son Jesus. The reason why he sent Jesus to be the savior was because nobody could join God in his heavenly glory without that work of salvation. And we know what that involved, not only Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven, as he did throughout his ministry, but then making his own life a sacrifice offered to God on behalf of all the sinners. No sinner can go to heaven. Only perfect people can go to heaven. So it was necessary for God to do something that would perfect the imperfect, that would turn sinners into saints, that would make people worthy of heaven because they were incapable of making themselves worthy of God. So Jesus, we know, did everything for us on the cross, not only dying for our sins, but taking us, the sinners, to the cross and putting us to death with him. So the scripture reveals to us that when one man died, Jesus, all mankind died. That what Jesus did on the cross was for all mankind. So, in a sense, all mankind went with Jesus 
into the darkness of the tomb. But not all who went into the darkness of the tomb were raised to new life with him. It's in that darkness in which every person lives because of their sinful nature. It is in that darkness that they need to come to faith in Jesus and what he has done, a personal faith, so that they can come out of darkness into the light. And we can praise God that we are here this morning because through his mercy, we have come out of that darkness into the light. So we no longer belong to the darkness of the world. Now we belong to the light of God, to the light of his kingdom, to the kingdom of light. That is our destination, to live eternally with God in his heavenly kingdom, in his glory forever. So that new birth that we experienced when God brought us out of darkness into light and gave us his spirit to live within us, enabled us to begin the journey. And that's what new birth is. It is simply the birthing or the beginning of something. So it's the beginning of your journey to heaven. Now, there are seven different ways in which you can make this journey. Each one of them has something to teach us, but we'll see what the scripture says uh, about these uh, things. First of all, you can go by train. Now, when you travel by train, you are in a carriage that has to stay on the lines that have been laid. So if we imagine that this train consists within this train, in the carriages, are the people that have come out of darkness into the light. And the train is going along this predetermined track that God has laid. That he has already determined for us the track that leads to the heavenly glory that he wants for all of his children. In this train, of course, you do not travel alone. In each carriage, you are with a number of different people. And God's expectation is that you will remain submitted to the driver of the train, who is the Holy Spirit. You're not going to try to take over the driving of the train from him. But also, you're going to stay in relationship of love and unity with all the other people that are in the same coach as you are. Those that are also those that have come out of darkness 
into light. So right from the beginning of your Christian experience, you realize that it's not simply about your personal relationship with Jesus, but also your personal relationship with the others who also belong to Jesus. Now this train stops at a number of stations. The purpose of stopping at these stations is to allow other people to get on the train, other people to come out of darkness and join the people of light that are on this train. One of the problems is that when this train stops, some of the people that are on the train choose to get off. Now that's never God's purpose. His purpose is for them to stay on the train and for the Holy Spirit to take them down that track to the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose for their lives. One of these um, stations is called Please the Flesh. And the train stops there so that those that have lived to please the flesh will come out of that darkness of sin into the life of the righteousness of the kingdom. But sadly, when the train stops there, there are some that get off the train and instead of continuing to glorify the Lord in their lives, they make wrong decisions, they choose to please themselves, that some, themselves, they get off into some area of sin and the train goes off and leaves them behind. Now, of course, they can join a train subsequently, another one that comes along, because there are continuous trains traveling along this track. But in so doing, they have lost because they could be much further down the track if they'd only resisted the sin and stayed faithful to the Lord and remained on the train. Uh, there's another station that's called taking offense. And again, the idea of stopping there is that people that have lived in offense and unforgiveness all their lives should come to know the forgiveness of Jesus and should come out of the darkness and join the train. But sadly, when the, station, when the train stops at that station, some people choose to get off because they've taken offense with some of the other people that are in the same carriage or the same coach as them. And they think, well, I'm going to get off and I'm going to take another train. What they don't realize is that they also are going to lose ground because if they'd stayed on the train and got reconciled with the other people in their coach, then they would be further down the track as a result. And also, uh, there's a, another station which is called deception. And again, the idea of the train stopping at that station is to bring people out of deception into the truth. But sadly, even some people that have been living in the truth because this train goes in the direction of truth, they choose to get off because for some reason or other, they've got seduced and deceived by the enemy or by other people that have wanted to influence them in a way that is contrary to the word of God. 
they think that they can catch another train, and they probably do. The only trouble is that one doesn't go to the same destination because trains of deception never end up in heaven. Only the trains of truth end up there. So it's very dangerous to get off uh, at the, the station of deception because you can be a long way from your destination before you realize the mistake you've made. Then you've got to catch a train back to the mainland, main line and get back on your course in God's purposes. Now, of course, if you don't like the idea of going by train, uh, even though this is far more efficient than British Rail, you can choose to go by car. Now, the only issue here is who is driving the car. You can choose to drive the car to go in the destination that you think to be right, to be the will of God that will lead you to this glorious kingdom of heaven. Uh, the only trouble is that <clears throat> if you are in the driving seat, uh, the best that Jesus can do is to be in the passenger seat. And you can constantly refer to him and say, because you're going to come to many junctions, many roundabouts, many uh, situations on the road where you're going to have to make decisions as to which direction to take. So you can, you can keep praying, Lord, help me to know the right way. Lord, what should I do now? Lord, what direction should I take? Lord, where am I to go now? And uh, Jesus says, don't you think it would be much better if you just stopped the car, got out, let me take over in the driving seat, and you be the passenger? Then I can take you in the way that I want you to go. If only you will submit yourself to me, instead of asking me to submit myself to you all the time, and just do what you are wanting me to do. I think it would be much better, the car would get much further on its way if you let me do the driving. The third way in which you can uh, get to this destination is by walking. The scripture is clear about that, that the Christian life is a walk. But if we are to walk in the right direction, then we have to walk with Jesus. We have to walk, if you like, hand in hand with him, arm in arm with him. And that's fine, that's possible, so long as we do remain faithful to him and obedient to his will and his purpose. The trouble is that like all children, we can be willful at times. We can want our own way instead of his way. And when we do that, we're like naughty little children that want to take their hand away from the parent that is guiding them and controlling them, helping them to cross the road safely or whatever it may be, keep her out the way of the dangerous traffic. We can be like those little children that pull away from Father, that pull away from God and say, I want my own way, just a little bit. And so compromise comes in and that affects the walk. 
So, yes, we, we, we get on the way to heaven, but instead of walking at the pace that God would want and seeing the fruit in our lives that he desires, uh, then we make the whole issue so much more difficult for ourselves. Because what we have to appreciate is that on this walk, we again are not there to, to simply walk with Jesus, but to have impact upon the lives of others all around us so that they also would choose to walk with Jesus, that they would choose to walk with us. So it's not a selfish walk where we're just living to please ourselves, but we're saying, well, Jesus, I want to walk with you and I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. I want you to enable me to impact the lives of other people with your truth, with your truth, so, with, with, with your love, with your truth, so that they too will choose to walk on this journey to heaven. Then the fourth way in which you can journey to heaven is by running. The scripture says that we can run on the course that is set before us. Now, again, uh, if we're running, then like those in a race, we, we run to win, the scripture says, but you can only run to win if you keep the rules. Uh, there's no barging. There's no trying to trip other people up. There's no judging and condemning them. You are intent on running the race for the glory and the honor of God. So you keep to the course that the race is to take. You don't want to divert from, from that course because you get disqualified from the race. So the word of God is there for you to know the course that you are to take, the, the direction in which you are to run. And again, you are to run with the others and they are all running to win. And the great thing is that in this race, all those who belong to the Lord do win. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The fifth way in which you can take this journey is by ship. Now, it's not a little dinghy where just you and Jesus are going to row across the ocean together. But this is a great big liner. And on this liner, there are many, many other people. But before the liner can set sail, it has to be set free from all its mooring ropes. And therefore you understand from this analogy that there are lots of things that can hold you back from really being able to set sail in the way that God wants you to go. And he has to free you from all those things that are detrimental to his will and purpose that will hinder you and preventing you from setting sail. Even when all those mooring ropes 
uh, have been cast off, you still appreciate that you are not qualified to be the master or the captain of this ship. You're not qualified to actually determine the direction of the ship, neither are you qualified to navigate it. You are one of the passengers. And again, you have to relate to all the others that are on this ship, those that are saved and those that are unsaved, because God has got this mixture of people on this ship, but his intention is by the time that it reaches its destination, everybody on that ship is a believer. So all those that are believers are to be impacting the lives of those who are not believers. And they see this as their God-given responsibility and opportunity, that all those that are sailing through life with them, they can have this positive impact so that they receive salvation as well. The sixth way in which it's possible to make this journey is to fly. And of course, that appeals to a lot of people because it seems to be a quicker way to get to the destination. Uh, there used to be uh, a, a song that I sang in, in the days of my youth, you'll never get to heaven in an old Ford car because an old Ford car won't get that far. But uh, when, when we think in terms of... of um, of flying, it seems so much better and quicker than other forms of transport. The only problem is that, as you know well from your experience of flying, you now have to go through a whole lot of security checks. And before ever you're allowed on this aircraft, uh, God takes you through a number of security checks. He takes you through a whole process of refining, of purifying, of setting you free from anything that could cause you harm on the flight or could cause anybody else on the flight any harm. So there's a spiritual uh, thing there. Of course, the wonderful thing about flying is that you soar above your problems. And so God advocates this that just as there's good things about the train and good things about the car, if Jesus is driving it, and there's good things about walking with him and good things about running the course and good things about setting sail when we're set free from everything that has hindered us and held us back. So it's good that we can soar and live above our problems, recognizing that because we belong to Jesus, we live in heavenly places. But at the same time, uh, we recognize how important it is that we live in wisdom, that we don't allow things on board in our lives that are going to cause us danger or going to cause anybody else danger. So we can see that there are things for us to learn in all these different ways of taking this journey. But then there's the seventh way. And this is the way that Jesus talked about. Although all those other things can speak to us, can have some positive 
influence on our lives. He knows, Jesus knows, that the real key to a successful journey to heaven is in the seventh way. And next time I preach to you, I'll tell you what they'll say. <laughs> What Jesus says is simply this, live in me and I will live in you. Live in me, not with me on the train or in the car or on the boat or even walking or even running or even flying, but live in me and you remember at the last supper we're going to celebrate communion in a few minutes but at that last supper Jesus talked about the vine and we being branches in the vine and that the purpose of the branch is simply to remain living in Jesus then the life of the vine the power of the spirit that is in the vine will actually produce the fruit that will glorify the Father. Now, why this has preference over all the other six ways of journeying is because when we get to the destination, two things happen. This is the place of judgment. But because we have been saved right at the beginning of our journey, we recognize that throughout the journey, we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling because we want to see the purpose of God fulfilled in our lives. But we realize also that when we come to the Destination, when we come to the end of the journey, we will all have to face the judgment. And we will not be afraid of that, especially if we've walked, lived this journey in Jesus. We won't be afraid of what his judgment will be in terms of whether we are saved or not. Because our trust has been not in ourselves, not in our walk, not even in our journey. But our trust is in what God did right at the beginning of our Christian life. When we put our faith in his saving work that he did for us on the cross. So we arrive at this destination with the sure and certain assurance, I shall be in heaven with God for all eternity. But there is a second thing, according to Jesus, that will happen at the end of the journey. The judgment as to whether we go to heaven or not, we do not need to fear if we know that we are his children who belong to him. But he also says he will reward each one for what he or she has done on the journey. 
So you have salvation as God's gift to you because of what he did for you that enabled you to even begin the journey. But then on the day of judgment, God will also assess what is your reward according to what you have done on the journey. How you have journeyed with him. Especially what fruit there has been on this journey. How you have been able to influence and affect the lives of other people through his love, through the way you've served, through the way you've encouraged them, through the way in which you have shared the truth with them and sought to have a positive influence on their lives. At the same time, you realize also that God, God's purpose is that for you to actually become more and more like him as you take this journey, that you're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. So at that last time, at that, that judgment, at the end of the journey, the day of the Lord as it's called in scripture, God assesses what you've done, but also where you are in terms of your relationship and unity with him, because he knows that your relationship and unity with him actually determines your fruitfulness, actually determines how much you have been able to fulfill the will and the plan and the purpose of God. So we are wise if we not only thank God for the salvation that is his gift to us, but if we also take account of the way in which we are working out this journey. Your journey to heaven. The best way is Jesus' way. You live in him because you stay submitted to him, to his will, to his purpose. And finally, we need to understand that when Jesus was born into this world as a little baby, he had to take the same journey. He had to take the same journey back to heaven. Now, he didn't go by train or car or plane or boat. He lived in the Father, just as we are called to live in Jesus. He lived in the Father, and the Father lived in him. So he could say to people, don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Don't you understand that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And you see, what God wants in our lives is for us to be able to say, don't you realize I'm living in Jesus, Jesus is living in me? Don't you know that if you see me, you see Jesus? Or something of Jesus? Or more of Jesus in me as I take this journey, living in him 
and he in me. So that's a simple message. And the reason why I preached it, well, there are really three reasons. First and foremost, it's the word God told me to preach. That in itself is enough authority. Uh, but secondly, because I believe we have to address this lie that all go to heaven or even all that is necessary is for us to make some commitment or, or statement of faith in Jesus and the journey doesn't matter. Oh yes, the journey does matter because your reward is going to be assessed for the way you journey. But thirdly, I want to write something along these lines because I believe we need to have something, a tool really, that we can put in the hands of new believers, that they understand now that they have come out of darkness into light. Now they have received salvation by the mercy and grace of God. This is the journey before them. And this is how to take the journey. And this is how to resist all the pitfalls that there can be along the journey. And this, of course, is no new idea. This is like a modern-day Pilgrim's Progress. And Pilgrim's Progress was written for that very self-same purpose, to help people on their journey towards the destination. And I believe that lots of people would benefit from that, don't you? They would value that, say, okay, I can learn from each of these ways of transport, but above all, I want to fulfill what Jesus says. Because the most amazing thing is that now I am saved, God has taken hold of my life and put me into Christ. And because he's put me into Christ, Christ lives in me. So the secret is this, Christ in me, the hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? That you reach the destination and you live and reign with God in his glory forevermore. So we're going to take communion together because <clears throat> one of the wonderful things about Holy Communion is that it is a statement that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. It was this that Jesus chose to do with the disciples on the occasion when he talked about being the vine, they the branches, and how they had lived with him during the days of his humanity, but now something even greater was going to happen. They were going to live in him. And by living in him, all the riches and all the resources of heaven become theirs. And that as they walk by faith, they are able to download into their lives now those heavenly riches and resources. And whenever we receive communion, we receive all the virtues of the body of Christ, all the virtues of his blood. And it's like God saying to us, 
All the riches of heaven are yours now. I make them all available to you to help you on your journey to heaven where you will be able to enjoy those riches perfectly. And I said <clears throat> right at the beginning that only perfect people can go to heaven. And that, my friends, is true. You can't have anything imperfect in heaven. When you go to heaven, you, you're not expecting to see anything or anybody or any spiritual being that is imperfect. In fact, Jesus told a parable, didn't he, about the heavenly banquet. And there was one character there who didn't have a wedding garment. And he got thrown out. Mm-hmm. So isn't it good that you got your wedding garment? Um, and that wedding garment is the perfection of Jesus. It's not your perfection. It's not your righteousness. It's not your holiness. It's his righteousness. It's his holiness. It's his perfection. So on that day of judgment, when you get off the train or you, 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 you finish your journey, you appear before God the Father clothed in the wedding garment of Jesus because you live in him and he lives in you. So let's all stand, shall we? Thank you, Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise Thank God. And we're going to Hello. bless the bread and the cup because Jesus said, do this. So we repeat the actions that he did. We don't just have a piece of bread and a drink and try to remember Jesus. No, no. We repeat what he told us to do. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as you take this bread, you will remember that you are in Christ and he is in you for the journey to heaven and for all eternity. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So as we participate in this cup, we thank God this morning that he cleanses us by his blood of every imperfection 
He makes us pure and holy in his sight because that is the power of the blood. Cleanses us, makes us as acceptable to the Father as Jesus himself. And by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, we are empowered to continue to live in him and he in us. Ever thankful that through his love for each one of us, he will bring us safely to the conclusion of our journey to heaven. And he will have used us along the way to bless, to touch, to encourage, perhaps even to heal the lives of many other people. And they too would join us on the journey. So that when you arrive, you don't arrive alone, but together with all those with whom you've journeyed, all those whose lives God has used you to impact. So as you receive these gifts this morning, thank God that you're not going to get off at the destination called Please the Flesh, nor take offense. You're not going to get off at the station of deception. But by his grace, you're going to remain faithful to the end, keeping faith with him, and he will keep faith with you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.